Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. We're going to make all these transitions, except uh, the last three months, 12 weeks, uh, has happened. And so um, we've got some exciting things to tell you about with Sean and Emily. And, uh, but uh, Sean's going to come bring the word this morning. We're excited. He's a man of God, in season, out of season. He's anointed. He's uh, full of the word. He's an incredible man. When he honestly, like, stepped into my life many years ago, he was someone that just took weight. He just took weight off of me as a church planter, as a pastor, and I feel indebted to him for doing that, both him and Emily, uh, for the rest of my life. And uh, they're just just pure as the driven snow. Their hearts are for, are for the church. And he loves the word. He loves Jesus. He's a grace man. He's also a practical man that, that loves to see families and people touched and transformed. And he's an absolute blessing. He's world class. And we love him. And I'm so excited to hear the word of God preached in this place this morning by Sean Chris. Man of God, come on up. Woo, hello, let there be light. What an introduction here. He's like, he's like, yeah, you're my, my son here. And I'm like, I don't know how this would have happened. Um, <laughs> you'd have to have some, some big mom jeans. Yes, I am just so excited to be up here right now. I, um, to see our leadership team here, uh, to see you live. Uh, I just feel like God's got a word for us for this season. And uh, I'm just stirred up. We're on the way out of this, amen? Amen. We're on, the, uh, we're on the back half of this uh, nine here. So uh, I want to I share today with you a, a story. We're going to get in the Word. You know I love the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to share just a, a story today that I think that the Lord has divinely orchestrated and put on my heart for, for all of us here. And it's a word for you at home. And um, yeah, but before we get going, uh, I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I work in the financial industry outside of this. So I get to see everything from accounts that go really up and then accounts that go really down, right? So, so more recently we saw a lot of downward and then a little bit of upward back. And it, and it made me think about uh, 2008, right? 2008, a lot of folks are like, man, that was just a really tough year. Uh, it was a tough year for a lot of folks. And uh, I, I thought about, I had just graduated, uh, I was going to say high school. I'm like, I'm a little older than that. Um, just graduated college, Concordia University. And, um, you know, finished up my, my four-year bachelor's, and I was late to the game, so I graduated like 26, had a newborn child uh, with my wife, and, uh, you know, was working a great job. You know, had a good salary. Everything was going so good. I mean, everything the Lord was speaking to me was all about just big picture faith, like, you know, here's what I'm calling you guys to. Here's what I'm setting you up to do. And then 2008 hits, and I don't even know what to do with this. I don't even know how to process this. Right? Uh, and, and what I had to process was my boss calling me in to say, hey, uh, you're doing a great job, but I need to lay you off. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is great. I got a nice big college, college debt I got to pay for. I own a house, uh, and I've got a wife and a child. And so I can't really just hang around and do nothing. Uh, I needed to take some sort of action. But as I looked around out there, there really wasn't any place for me to go to. And uh, month in, month out, month in, month out, I was on unemployment. And, you know, it was kind of a tough season for me where I had to do a lot of self-exploration. Where are we going from here? Why is this happening to me, God? 
Like, I thought you were talking about all these, like, big dreams and visions, and you were carrying us here and establishing us, and then just like a whirlwind, it just came and knocked us out. And in a lot of ways, that's how a lot of us are feeling right now, right? And so there was a church service that we went to, um, and that Sunday, uh, they said, hey, you know, one of the things that we're encouraging folks to do, and it kind of paralleled with the, the message they were preaching, was to get one of these stakes, you know, just like a stake you'd hit in the ground, uh, not a New York stake, but a stake you'd hit in the ground, you'd just hammer it in. And they were talking about off these verses, like, hey, put, you know, put, put some Bible verses on there, uh, we put some anointing oil on there, and then just go, just take your stake in your ground, in Jesus' name. And so I got to thinking, I was like, you know what I'm going to do is to protect my home, I'm going to get four of these stakes. I'm going to put one at each one of them and just create a barrier. I'm dead serious. So, so I go up there and they're like, they hand me a stake and I'm like, I'll take three more. And they're like, are you? I said, just give me three more. Reach in there, I grab my three, tell the wife about my genius plan. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to write our, our family verses on these stakes. We're going to write our promises on these stakes. We're going to write what God spoke to us on these stakes. And then we're going to lay hands on these stakes. I know it seems kind of crazy, seems super spiritual, but, but let me just tell you, there was something that happened inside of us when we did it. And so, you know, we got them all finished. Uh, we had her do most of the handwriting because her handwriting is way better than mine. I mean, the spirit looking at me like, I can't even read this. Can I get, a, can I get somebody to entertain? Like, what is this Dr. Scribble? Um, so, so she had a friend come over later on that week, and it was just pouring down rain outside. And I thought, you know, now's the time to hammer the stakes in. Now's the time to hammer the stakes in. So I go out there by myself, and I mean, it was like a movie. Like, I got my raincoat on, and it's just, just Pacific Northwest in all of its glory. Just the big drops, just, and I'm outside, and I go to each corner of the property. And uh, my neighbors are probably like, what is this crazy guy doing? And every time I'm hammering, I'm like, this is the inheritance of the Lord, you know, and, and God is with us, and we're not going to lose this property, right? All these things were happening, and my neighbors, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if they saw what came next, they probably thought if he hadn't lost it then, he definitely lost it now. I went to the middle of my backyard, and, and I took off my raincoat, and I took off my t-shirt, and I did take off my pants, and I sat out there, I swear to you, I don't know what it was, I just decided to do it very wild moment for me, and I got on my knees, uh, and I looked over, and I think Emily and her friend were watching me do this, and Emily's like, listen, you, that's my husband, don't, don't look too much, but I'm on my knees, and I'm just pounding the ground, and I'm like, God, this is, this is our place, we're not going to lose it, uh, because in that season, there was something called a loan modification, right, you could get where you could, you know, basically be able to save your house if, if you were in a tough disposition, and, and, and in that season, I tried to get one of those through my own bank, and they told me you can't do it uh, because you make your payments on time. And I had hired a loan modification company to help me, and they were like, don't worry about it. You pay us this $2,500, bucks, we will work with your bank to help you out, right? But when they say we'll work with your bank to help you out, really what that means is um, you give us the money, and then we'll help kind of counsel you along the way of not making your payments. And so what happens is every week you start to get a sheriff's notice. And, and this last sheriff's notice, this one was pretty neat. Uh, this one, uh, and they would deliver it with a sheriff. This one had in bold writing like a date and a time for court, and they were going to like literally foreclose our home. And I was freaking out. And that's when I went out there and buried the, 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 the hatchet and the stakes in the ground. And you want to know what? It was, it was for me not so much about the stakes as it was something in my heart. Where God was like, you know what, I, I, I appreciate the seasons of the big and the bold and the faith and the big picture. And we all have those. And then there's also some seasons where God just says, listen, the frontline battle is just a little too fierce. I need to pull you back. And I know I've been fighting the battles for you, but I need to pull you back in and I'm going to put you right in the front lines. Right? 
right? It's, 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 just, it's too much for you to be uh, talking just big picture faith. It's right now. It's day to day. It's the grind. It's like the difference between war and battle, right? War is the big, big picture. Battle is, you know, we got to win the battle. Got to win the battle. Got to win the battle. And so in the kingdom of God, it's, it's not that much different, right? Sometimes there's wars and sometimes there's battles. And the thing that the Lord's been speaking to me in this season, he's like, Sean, I just need you to win the day. I need you to win the day. I need you to win the day. And, and that's a word for some of you. You need to win the day because what's happened is, is because there's been such a, such a life-changing, just wow, like this came out of the middle of nowhere. COVID ambushed us all. It ambushed the church. It ambushed businesses. It ambushed your personal life. And God's saying, hey, I need you to win today. Don't worry about, about where I'm taking you because my promises are true. Uh, I haven't changed my mind about what I said up to you back when things were going well. But now I need you today to be in the day. Amen? In the day. Today's the day. That's right. And so, so t- today, you got to win your battles. Whether that means you're homeschooling with your kids, you got to win the day. Okay? Whether that means you're working from home, you got to win the day. Whether you don't, you don't know how you're going to put it together, you got to win the day. And, and sometimes that's, that, that, that means just outlasting the day, outlasting the craziness, outlasting your kids, outlasting all the news, outlasting social media, outlasting all these things, and posturing yourself in a place to say, I will not back down. The enemy's going to come against me, but I will not back down. Amen? And so, of course, like any good preacher, any good preacher, I got a story for you. I got a story for you. But before I get into this, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are such a loving Father, that we can trust you with everything. God, that you're with us in the, in the day-to-day, and you're also with us in the big picture. And Father, today, Lord, I pray that you would impregnate us with your word. We'd receive an impartation from your spirit today, God, that you'd shake off all fear, and you'd implant faith into us today to know that, God, we are more than overcomers, and that it's you who fights our battle, and that it's you who gives us the victory, and you want us to rest in your finished work. And all God's mighty people said, amen, amen, amen. So I want to get into uh, a young man. His name was King Jehoshaphat. Just say it with me, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, right? Uh, he was probably in his late 30s, right, many historians say. Uh, and at this point in time, uh, it, we're in Second Chronicles, but at this point in time, the nation of Israel was divided. It wasn't always like this, but it was divided. You had Israel over here, and then you had Judah. And Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And Israel was just going through some tough times with ungodly kings. But Judah remained faithful to God, right? And King Jehoshaphat was over that, that nation of Judah. And so he was being blessed on all sides. All was going well. And, and if we jump into 2 Chronicles 20, bad news arrived. He got ambushed. He got ambushed. He got completely caught off guard. Some spies came to him and they said, hey, we have some news for you. Specifically, it says, now it came about after that, that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with some of the Maonites, came together to make war against Jehoshaphat. Then some of them came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you. Against you, not against Judah. You see, things get real, not when it's the war against your country. Things get real when it's the battle against you. When it's against you, it's against your family, it's against your personnel, it's against, you know, depression's coming against you, heaviness is coming against you, it's against you, and they're 35 miles out, right? So, so Jehoshaphat had won many wars prior to this, won many battles. He was a victorious king, and God was with him, so very simply, he could have probably rallied some troops, 
but there was multiple armies 35 miles away, and he had to make a very challenging decision that I think a lot of us have to make on a very regular basis, which is when, when news, when situations, when challenges, when an ambush strikes, how will you respond? How will you respond? And we get to three and four, and it said Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. And turned his attention to seek the Lord. Do me a favor, just wherever you're at, whether you're online right now or you're here today, just, just give me three deep inhales and three deep exhales. Just, just three of them. Begin to kind of feel that. It is relaxing, isn't it? It's so good. It's so good. What you notice is you begin to kind of feel the oxygen. You start to feel your blood flowing. Okay? You feel it throughout your enti- entire body. Right? This is the way that fear operates. It comes in and it expands. And you can feel it in your stomach. You can feel it in your arms. You can feel it in your head. You can feel it in your body. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. And so you have a choice when fear comes. And and Jehoshaphat made the choice that he was going to turn his attention to God. He was going to turn his attention to God because he knew that there was only one thing that can quell fear. And it's God. The peace of God that can overcome this. He knew that, that he could rally the troops to try to win this war, but this was something bigger than that, and he didn't have time to do it. And so what he did is he gathered all the people together to fast and to pray. Gathered all of the cities of Judah together to fast and to pray. We're going to seek God. That's going to be our strategy. In this season, you don't even know what you can do, what the options are. God's saying, just seek me. Just seek me. Call together your family. Begin to seek me. Begin to seek me. And you go to the next verse on, on chapter, uh, pardon me, 20, verse 12. And it says, and this is where all of, all of Judah's together. And they're hanging out in Jerusalem. And, he, and, and Jehoshaphat begins to speak. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless against this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You see, this, this, this takes so much courage. Because as he's calling together this gathering, they're marching closer. It's not like they stopped. They're still moving forward as he has all of the cities together. They're in Jerusalem. And he is calling out to God. He knows that his salvation is only going to come through God. He doesn't even have a plan. And he self-admits, we're powerless. We can't do anything. But we turn to you. But we turn to you. And it says, but our eyes are on you. You think about Peter coming out of the boat. Right? It's when he took his eyes off of Jesus in the middle of his storm that he began to sink. And it's crazy because right now, if you're not day to day, if you're not on the front line of your life, if you're not involved in what's going on, if your eyes are not in Jesus, you're going to get swept away. You're going to get swept away. But the good news is God will stand with you in the middle of your storm. He wants you there. He'll fight the fight, but he needs you there. He needs you there. While all the world is, is, is looking at the news, I don't care if it's Fox News, I don't care if it's CNN News, or social media, right? Or, or what their friends are saying, or this virus issue, and all these things combined. They're looking all over the place. And last week we were, we were having a leader's prayer session here after service. And the Lord spoke to me. 
And, and it was so, I was like, wow, that's a deep thought. And he said, I'm redrawing up the lines. I'm reestablishing lines, reestablishing boundaries. And he began to say that, that, that there are many out there, both churches and individuals, right, that are, that are over here shrinking back because they're so focused and captivated on things that are creating fear on their insides. Yet there are some that are standing in faith in a posture and not backing down. And God says, while they're over there doing all of these things, focused on all of these things, he said, I need you to catch your attention because I'm at work behind the scenes. I'm at work behind the scenes. This is all happening, but over here, I'm at work. I'm reestablishing, reestablishing, redrawing up lines. What does that mean? That means in your life, this season, you don't back down. You stand positioned and postured. God is going to increase the, the tent posts in your life. He's going to increase the favor on your life. He's going to increase the influence on your life. That's a word for this house. See, See, there is churches that are pulling back. And God bless them. We pray for them. But we are going to be a church that advances in the middle of it because the favor of God is not held to a virus. It's not held to fear. It's not held to chaos. God said, I'm establishing, expanding your tent, expanding your boundaries. You see, there's some seasons where confusion reigns. There's some seasons where chaos and fear, just they just get into the hearts of everybody. Just like here with Jehoshaphat. And God's saying, I'm looking for, I'm looking for people to, to, to do what Jehoshaphat did. Not back down. Do not let fear take. I know it's real. I know you don't know where you're going to get your next paycheck. I know you don't know how you're going to balance your budget. I know you don't know what's going to happen with your career or your company. You name it, fill in the blank. We're all experiencing things. But are you willing to not give tension to fear but turn your eyes to God? Turn your eyes to God. Turn your eyes to God. Because what's going to happen is when this thing finishes, it will have its conclusion. It will have its conclusion. When the dust settles and you're over here and you got this new level of influence, new favor, new faith from this season. Come on. God's simply setting you up to take more boundary, take more space, take more land, do more things in God. Come on. It's seasons like this where... The heat's rising, and God's saying, focus on me, and I'll carry you through it. Amen? Amen. So we're in the middle of this gathering. Troops are marching closer, and the king does what he does. He calls them together and says, you know what? God, you're with us. We trust in you. We're powerless. Our eyes are on you. And there's a prophet that stands up. He stands up in the middle of this this gathering, and his name was Jahaziel. Jahaziel. I, I hope I pronounced some of these right. Sometime you get to heaven and it's going to be like, yo, bro, you mispronounce my name every time. It's Jehoshaphat. Jahaziel. Jahaziel. I love this. He stands up and in verse 15 he says, and he said to them, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. He's, he's given a word for everyone. Thus says the Lord to you, do not fear or be dismayed. Because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, you want to know what's really cool about this is, is, is every single one of those people that were there gathered, okay, they've heard this verse before. They've heard somebody say this before. This was God's specific declaration to Moses before he split the Red Seas. 
So, so if, if, you're, if you're in the tribe of Judah, you, you've learned the Torah by growing up and they teach it. They know the word inside and out. They actually were very, very good students about this. They knew it. And so as they would look at times where God would split the seas and provide salvation for all of Israel, they, they must have looked at those times and said, I just wish for one time that I could be a part of something like that. And, and, as, and as the prophet began to speak, he says, it's that. You're in it right now. And I know it's crazy, and I know that they're 20 miles away. I know that that's happening, but this is your moment. This is your moment. I'm moving, and I'm moving sovereignly, and you're going to be in the middle of it. Amen? Come on, you're going to be in the middle of that right now. And so there's calamity, there's chaos, and it's all going on, and God's saying, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Stand postured, and you will see the salvation of God. And, and he goes on to say, he even provides a strategy. That's how good God is, because he knows. We're like, hey, well, well, then what do we do? It's always the question, what do we do? What do we do? What's next? Jaziel says, I'm going to cause you to come up out of the valley, okay, and stand in front of the wilderness to see me. Now, when, when you think about the Bible metaphorically, and you think about a valley, you think about darkness, heaviness, weightiness, like it's your low season. It's the season where maybe you lost a loved one. It's a season where you lost your job. It's a season where, kind of like the season we're in right now, you begin to notice that it's just heavy and it's weighty and you're in the valley and God says, I'm going to cause you to come up out of that. Okay, I'm going to cause you to come up out from that. So, so many of us are kind of just hanging out in the valley in this place of despair. It says, God, come out from that to see what I'm about to do. Come out from in front of that. And then he says, I'm going to cause you to stand in front of the wilderness. The wilderness, you think about even what that represents. It represents confusion, wandering. Where am I going? What, is, what, is, what are you going to do with my life, God? Does this reset all the promises you said to me? God says, I'm going to put you in front of the confusion. I'm going to provide you clarity, and I'm going to stand you right in front of the enemy, right in front of the enemy. Nothing's changed about your situation, but everything's changed. You ever seen that before? Nothing's changed, but you know it's changed. Here's Israel. Judah, pardon me. They are getting ready to go march out, to go fight a battle that God's calling them to fight with no weapons. You see, as, as, I, as I dug into this, you'll find that, that God didn't tell them to, to get ready for, for war. God didn't say, go get, go get the swords, go, go, go get your shields, get your horses, right? If you look a couple chapters before this, you'll notice that they did go to war previously. They do have the equipment. They do know how to fight. They do know how to win battles. They are a victorious people. God's with them. But on this, he, he doesn't do that. Nothing at all. In fact, I'm going to send you out marching towards them with nothing. 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 That's it? I mean, just, just imagine sometimes I like to put myself in the shoes of, of what it would be like to be a person there. Right? So, so all right. I hear the prophetic word. All right, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. You got that? Yeah, I got that. You got that? Yeah, I got that. I'm not afraid. I got this. All right, okay, 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 what's the plan? All right, here's the plan. You're going to march out. You're going to come through the valley. 
Whew, okay, got it. No, I've been there before. We played a kickball out there with rocks. I know the valley. I know the valley. I know it. I'm familiar. And we're going to go out in front of the wilderness. Okay, I remember. Uh, that's where I got my first kiss. So I, I know where this spot is, right? I can visualize the spot, okay? And then um, what are we going to do? Well, you're just going to stand there. What do you mean you're just going to stand there? You know how hard that is, that conceptually? We're going to go march out. Where are we going? I don't know. But we're just going to go stand there. This is what God was saying. But he put a twist on it. He says, I'm not just going to have you stand there. I'm going to have you station yourself. Station yourself. Station yourself. Posture yourself. I don't want you just to stand there and look silly. I want you to stand there and posture yourself in me. Posture yourself in me. You read verse 17. It says, you do not need to feed to fight this battle, station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. So you want me to go face them tomorrow and stand? No, I want you to go face them tomorrow, and I want you to posture yourself. I want you to posture yourself. You see, the difference with just standing someplace, think about good and bad posture. If somebody slumped over, just like, all right, that just looks horrible. It's be bad for you. I would love to. And then you find somebody that's good posture, right? They're prepared, they're agile, they're ready. And that's what God's saying. He's saying, while well, all this is going on and it looks complex, it looks, it looks challenging, it looks like I don't know how we're going to make it out of this. I don't know what God you're up to, but, but, but if I can be postured in a way that I'm ready to receive, I'm ready to go into battle, even though you said it's yours to battle, I will not back down. I will not give way. I'm not going to slouch. I'm not going to slacken my faith. I'm not going to pull back. I'm going to remain in a posture confident that God is capable, able to do whatever he said he was going to do. And, and if you said, do not fear or be dismayed, for you shall see the salvation of the Lord to Moses, and you said it again to us now today, I believe you at your word. I know you're going to do it. My confidence is in you. My trust is in you. I will not back down. I will stand confident in the posture of my God knowing that you will carry me out of this. You will carry me out of this, amen? You will carry me out of this. And so here's the day. All Jerusalem gathers together, all Judah. And they're all in the city. And they're gonna go marching out. And they're like, wow, this is, I probably didn't get a good night's sleep last night because I'm a little anxious. I'm a little worried. We're going to war against three different armies and we don't have anything. Nothing. And I know that they could remember and even think back. Well, Jericho, they didn't have any, did they? They just, they just marched around, right? And God moved. Okay, and then, then I remember Moses in the Red Sea. So this is one of those defining moments where we need to trust God. We need to, all right, you got this? You got to trust? I'm going to trust. All right, so here's what we're going to do. And this is what the prophet said. He said, when they began singing and praising, the Lord ambushed the opposing sons of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who come against Judah, so they were routed. So imagine this, right? They're getting ready to leave Jerusalem and go head towards the enemy, marching dead on, not, not scared, not intimidated, and yet they're singing praises, and they're singing praises, 
and, and I can just see Jehoshaphat watching the, tr- the troops and the, and the people with no weapons, nothing, going out, and they're just praising God, saying, saying, you are worthy, you are good, you are for us, you will protect us, there is salvation in no name other than you, you are the one, your mercies, they endure forever, you are with us in the beginning, you're with us in the end, you fight our battles for us, and they begin to praise God as they're walking out of Jerusalem, but what they don't see is 20 miles away as they praise God that God is wiping their enemies out. Wiping their enemies out. Wiping every single one of them out. As they're sitting there banging the tambourines, God is slaying the enemy. Slaying the enemy. Know what this is, is this is walking in your identity. This is walking in your purpose. This is walking in who you were called and created to be. The name Judah represents praise. It's not them walking in something that's foreign to them. It's them walking in, trusting in God and who they call them to be. Come on, you were called to worship God in the midst of your storm. You're called to praise him in the middle of your chaos. And when we do that, we can't even see, but he begins routing and fighting your battles on your behalf. He's just that good. And they couldn't even see it. They couldn't even see it. But it gets better. They follow the instructions. And they head on out, and they're marching along. Jehoshaphat gets to the point. They have now went through their own personal valley. Come on. I'm done with my heaviness. I'm done with my depression. I know it's real. I'm done with my fear. I'm done with carrying this around in my life. I'm done. And the wilderness that they now stand in front of, they they look back and they say, I'm done with being confused about this. I'm done with being exhausted mentally with this thing. I'm done with wandering around, wondering why, what's going on, and wasting my time. I'm now standing in front of it. And as they arrive at the scene and stand in front of the people and the armies of God, God has wiped them out. He's wiped them out. He's wiped them out. And all Judah did was just praise. All they did was posture themselves by faith. All they did was take him at his word and say, you know what? I know you're doing something special. I know you're up to something that not everybody else can see, but we will not be intimidated by what's in front of us. We will not be intimidated by what we see. We will trust in what we cannot see. And I refuse to back down to anything that would come against your word over my life. I refuse to back down and give way that fear is going to run my house, that it's always going to be this way. I refuse to believe that this is the new normal. I believe that you've got new lines drawn out for me, for this house, for my house. You are doing a new thing, and I will not back down in Jesus' name. I mean, this is, this is kind of what David said, right? When he challenged Goliath, he said, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give it into our hands. So now, Jehoshaphat stands with all of Judah, and he gets to look at them and say, You know what? God's for us. It was never a question of whether he was going to come through or not. It was never a doubt Yeah, it was a little scary. Never a doubt. God's just that good because we put it in his hands and we trusted in him. And so they looked out amongst the field. And yeah, there was some dead bodies. There was. But even more so than that, there was spoils. And so as they went out into the valley, 
that represented their greatest fear. As they went out into the valley that represented everything that they thought would end their life. As they went out and stood amongst the things that were set in place to destroy them, they noticed that God did on their behalf what they were unable to do themselves and then gave them the spoils as if they fought the battle themselves. That's just how good God is. He says, not only will I fight your fight for you and win your battle, but I'll let you keep the spoils. I'll let you keep the spoils. So check this out. It says in verse 25, it says, God, here we go. It says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found much among them, including goods, garments, and valuable things, which they took for themselves, much more than they could carry. And there were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. Okay, verse 26, it says, then on the fourth day, check this out, then on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, again, probably mispronounced, for, they were ble- for, they, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, they named the place the Valley of Baraka until today. You want to know what Baraka means? Blessings. Blessings. God is going to take, if you're willing to receive, God is going to take this season and he's going to turn it for your blessing. He's going to turn it for your blessing. I know it seems crazy. I know you don't know what's going on. If we could have the band come up. I know it doesn't make sense what's all transpiring out there. But God wants you to know that I'm the redeemer of everything that the enemy sets in place for evil over your life. I'm going to turn it for the good. Right? And I'm going to turn it out to be your blessing. Because he's that good. And so, so when I think about this, like what God's calling us to do. It's not just to worship and ignore our problems. It's not just to, to stand in a posture and wait for something to happen. What it is is to turn your eyes to God, turn your eyes to Jesus in this season. Be honest and say, yeah, it's a little intimidating. It's a little crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. But you set your focus, you set your eyes on Jesus, and he will guide you in the grace that he has available in you in this season. Amen? And I want to I wanna close on... Somebody who knows a little something about withstanding. I want to close on somebody who's the greatest at overcoming both external and internal weightiness. I want to, I want to close on the master, the author, who knows what this all starts and what this all ends like. You see, Jesus... Jesus is so good that he demonstrated to us not just how to overcome, but he demonstrated how to face it, how to face something, how to look it directly in the eye and not give, not give. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, 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 it's not about an action for you. It's just outlasting. It's outlasting. In our days as a youth minister, I, there were so many days where I felt like it's just one thing after another. If you're in ministry, you just you feel it. You get bad report cards back from your kids. You lose your job, whatever it may be. And you kind of stand there. And you say, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? I don't know if I want this, if this is what it is. 
I don't know if I can take this anymore. I can't tell you how many times in this season my wife and I both looked at each other and said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And one of us always corrects the other one to say, yes, you can. 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 And when I think of Jesus and I just thought about his deepest, darkest moment, his time when he just didn't know where to turn. You find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's not just metaphorically carrying the weight of the world. He's literally carrying the weight of the world on him in that moment. He's carrying the weight of all of the sins of humanity from the beginning. And Jesus is standing there, posturing himself on your behalf. And he postures himself and he says, let this cup pass. I can't take it. It's too much for me. And he postures himself again and again and again. And Jesus is showing us that even when the storm is raging on the inside, even when the weight feels like it's about ready to crush you, even when you feel like you can't go on any further, come on, even when you have nothing left in the tank, God will provide your salvation. He'll provide your salvation because he's that good. You find Jesus on the cross in the very end. And we get to capitalize on his finished work where he said that it is finished. It is finished. And in the same way this battle wasn't theirs, God did it. In the same way that he wants to intervene in your battle right now to say it is finished. It's me who's going to do the battle for you on your behalf. But I just need you to get back on the front lines. I need you to get back in a posture of faith. I need you to get back to the place where you begin speaking by faith. I don't need to know it all, God, but I will put my eyes on you. I'm not going to back down in the middle of this. God, I will stand strong and I will not budge. we could have everybody just stand up. If you're at home, I don't want it to be weird, but I want you to know that God sees you. I want you to know that right now, God is saying, I know what you're carrying. I know the weight and I know it feels heavy. And I know it feels like it's not gonna end. And I know it feels like it's, I don't know what to do next. But I want you just to take this next minute, this next 30 seconds, and I want you to begin to posture yourself. Come on. Begin to posture yourself before God. Begin to posture yourself. Whether it's on the couch, you need to stand up. Just begin to posture yourself by faith right now. Just say, God, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to move. You are for me, not against me. Greater is he that's in me than is in the world. And God, as you redraw those lines, as you redraw the influence, as you redraw things favorably for me, God, I want to be in your lane. And I want to take advantage of what you have for me. Come on, so as we sing this right now, I just want you to begin. Come on, begin to declare it. Begin to declare it. God is good. Let's pray.
of a pastor it's amazing how many times I think about doing something and don't do it and the Bible says if you think and don't do it breeds deception and deception sucks because it's deceiving you don't know when you're in it when you think and don't do you think you did 
And it's amazing how many times we can just be like, yeah, man, praise is awesome. And we're not praising. Like even right now, you're like, yeah, mm, praise is amazing. You know, I need to go pray. And we think about it. I need to talk to God. And we think about it, but we don't talk to God. We just break that deception this morning. That praise is our weapon. Miracles are always in the context of a mess. Yeah, our country can be in a mess right now, and people can be in a mess. And what's annoying about faith is that it's annoying. Right now, you might just be so annoyed by the church, by the country, by the divide, what's going on, and you might be on whatever side you're on. Whenever what Sean preached hits real to you, you get annoyed because you're like, why are you preaching faith? What's going on right now is real. <laughs> See, faith is always annoying because we're always going to be like, why aren't we talking about what's real? And that's always the conflict. Is It's like, it's not that it's not real. It's not that we don't have more work as a country. It doesn't mean we don't need to have more conversations. It doesn't mean we don't need more healing because we do. It doesn't mean we don't need to come together and figure some things out and, and, and humble ourselves and pray and connect and see God move in our country across racial, across economic divides. It, no one's saying it's not real. It's there. We as a church will be there. We will have the conversation. We will, we will, we will, we will, we will humble ourselves. We will love. We will forgive. We will ask for forgiveness. We will, we will, we're not afraid to take on the conversations, but in the middle of the mess, whenever there's healing, there has to be sickness. We don't like that. Whenever there's a miracle, there's a mess. We don't like that. Whenever there's a testimony, there's a test. I'm getting cheesy, but you hear me. It, it, it's annoying. Whenever there's miracles, there's always a mess. Whenever there's faith, it's annoying because it's like, God, what about the army with all the swords? And he's like, listen, I know, I know, I know. I know, but I'm raising up some people to stand on the word and not make it about yourself or what you're going through or what you feel. I want someone to stand on the word of God because I'm about to bring you in to the promise like you've never experienced before. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know you don't feel it, but what I'm about to do, you will talk about for generations. Every pandemic, every chaotic, every racial division gave way to the greatest miracles in the history of the Bible of the planet God is getting ready to move I know it doesn't seem like it but God is moving like never before and we say yes God here we are use me here I am use me here I am use this church here I am Lord speak your servant is listening Speak. Your servant is listening. God, all my family and my church and this community are available. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here's my mind. Here's my heart. Here's my marriage. Here's my family. Here's my church. Use it for your glory. Use it for your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is, as it is, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.